Good evening, everyone. Welcome to chapel this Wednesday night. Um, let's say our theme together. Here am I, Lord, send me. And let's pray that prayer pri privately in our heart. Amen. Let's get ready to worship. Okie dokie. It's just me. So we're going to have a good time tonight. In answer to the question, did you ever invite Christ into your heart and life, the slightly intoxicated man answered. He said, yep, but I'm not getting much of a kick out of it right now. You know, it's not doing anything for me right now. I think that suggests a big problem for many people who once made a positive decision for Christ because what happened back there uh, many years ago or many weeks ago, months ago, may not be relevant and, and working and making a difference as it once did. Maybe you've come to a point in your life, if you walked with the Lord long enough, where you felt that somehow the Christian faith has sort of lost its meaning or has become familiar almost to the point that it doesn't feel special anymore, that maybe the joy of the Lord has somehow escaped your life or diminished in your life. And the question then becomes a very important one, what distinguishable difference? Does Christ make in your life? What, what, is it, what does he make in your life today? Has God really changed? You know, I think the answer to that question, of course, is no. The Bible clearly declares in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible also declares to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And that new remains. It's not something that's new for the first week of your conversion uh, to Christ, but it remains new every day. We, we commonly think of this truth as relating to our conversion experience. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Hey, you've just left your sinful life behind. The new has come. But the truth is that Christ continues to make us new when we continue to live in relationship with him. So if your relationship with Christ isn't making any difference in your life right now, what should you do? What steps can you take? Well, I think he is making a difference, obviously. I watched in worship tonight how you were worshiping God. But I also remember a, uh, some words of Dr. Oscar Reed, who was at uh, Bethany Nazarene College back when I was in college in 19... Uh, none of your business is when I was in <laughs> college. I was back then there and so but he said he said Gene or he said well, actually to a group and I was in the group he said the hardest thing you'll ever do in the ministry is maintain a personal vibrant walk with God a daily devotional life and I nearly laughed I thought you've got to be kidding me I mean I'm, I'm going in the ministry I'm going to study the Bible every day you know I'm going to study for sermons I'm going to pray I'm going to be leading in prayer I'm going to be in church a lot and it didn't make a lot of sense to me and then then I got into the ministry left school and you know got I mean after graduation I left school let me be very clear for those of you I didn't finish online I finished on campus and, and then I got into the ministry <clears throat> and I found that what what he said was somewhat prophetic because studying for uh, a message to share with someone else or a lesson to teach did not feed my soul like being in the presence of God because I loved him 
And that's kind of what I'm talking about. And I thought of this opportunity to talk to you and know that you have papers to write. You have obligations to, to, to uh, keep. You have responsibilities in preparation for ministry. But that can't get in the way of keeping a vibrant relationship with God. You know, when you leave Nazarene Bible College, you shouldn't be stumbling out of the door with cap and gown on. It should be with great passion that you should be at your peak when you graduate and ready to take that first assignment. Uh, so I want to talk about what happens if we've let the dynamic of, of Christ kind of slip away, if it's become very familiar. I, I think the first thing you would do is recognize that failure, that, that loss in your life. I, I, I would tell you this story. We woke up one morning in our home only to discover that the electricity had been off for a number of hours in the night. And during the night, our clocks didn't run. Well, that's problem number one. But their ability to keep time was rendered rather ineffective. Our, I, we, as it turned out, our streets were darkened when streetlights were not able to shine in the dark hours of the night around our home. Our household appliances had lost their ability to function and, and supply the purpose for which we had purchased them and, and they called it a power failure. That simply means that everything that should work didn't work when there was a power failure in our neighborhood. And I think there's a spiritual application there to say that it's possible to have a spiritual power failure. When the lights go out of, of your heart or the desire to love Christ becomes routine. The, the passion to serve others becomes secondary. There, there becomes a loss of spiritual energy or spiritual strength and we're sort of rendered powerless resulting in a lack of victory in our lives. There's not much to, to do or to say or to think about that is, uh, that is of uh, spiritual victory. A kind of spiritual darkness creams, uh, creeps into your life when, when the spiritual lights go out. That hope that you've had in Christ is sort of gone. And, and it's a spiritual power failure that develops almost unaware. We, 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 we don't even see it happen. It's like a rheostat in your home when you can turn it down very, very slowly. And if, if someone isn't paying close attention, you don't even notice that the lights are getting dim. And they can get more so and more so until ultimately they, they go out completely. And, and the reason we fail to see that is because in our, in our spiritual lives, we may not have changed our church habits, our spiritual habits. Well, you're still going to your local church. You still serve perhaps somewhere in the ministry of your church or here. You may still be tithing faithfully. Hey, you're reading your Bible for your classes and, and responsibilities, still praying on the run and things like that. And we continue to do all the things that we did when Christ was so real and passionate and, and close and so the appearance of, of, the, of godliness and the repetitive nature of trying to walk with Christ is there, but somewhere the essence may be gone. So what can you do when the lights are out in a familiar place? Well, the answer is you can do many of the same things you did when the light was on. I mean, in this case, if the lights went out in this room, we could still sing in the dark, couldn't we? We know the words. We, uh, we could still 
remember some of our best memory verses and quote them. We, in fact, you could talk to your neighbor and hey, talk to them about the Lord and say, hey, Christ is real to me. And you could do all these things in the dark. You could, you could do many of these things in the dark, but in truth, ultimately, the dark becomes a distraction until you're kind of tired of the dark and you, you start thinking about the darkness more than you do about your neighbor or about the possibilities and and, and the truth is you could probably get up and walk out of this chapel in the complete darkness because you remember what it looked like in the light. You can still see it in your mind, but it's still dark. And if you've ever, ever decided that you would do that and, and, and it were dark in here week after week after week and you came to chapel and every, every opportunity, the ability to fellowship would be there, but it wouldn't be the same. It, it, in the dark, it, you don't see the, the interaction with someone. Uh, you, you wouldn't see your hands that were raised to praise in God tonight as the worship team led our time of singing. It, that's what helps us be blessed. You can't do those things in the dark, so you lose your motivation for keep on to keep doing those things that you would do in the light, but in the dark, it's not the same. In fact, you might find an excuse not to come to chapel. Why would I go? It's dark. I can't see my neighbors. I have, have to kind of listen for their voice. I may not... You, you begin to change your habits and for things to be like they were, the lights have to be restored. And then the joy is restored. Then the fellowship begins to happen. And, and step number one in my mind in resolving a spiritual power failure is to recognize it and to admit it. The, number two is then to reestablish that relationship with God. It's no secret how you began your spiritual walk with God in the first place. It began when you asked God to forgive your sins. We call that repentance. And, and uh, you redirected your life and you embraced Him in faith. He was the source of your new life. He forgave your sins and made you a new creation in Him. The old is gone and the new has come. And those steps that you took when you invited Christ into your life for the first time are the same steps that we take to find our way back to that renewal, that sense of revival that happens in our life. We reestablish the relationship that He's our Savior and He's our Lord and, and we are His children. So we repent again of our spiritual failure, of our neglect of God, that we let it become routine or uh, that we don't really have not noticed the people who are lost around us anymore. But remind ourselves that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you plug into Christ, His power then plugs into your life. Let me say it this way. If, if prayer has become a burden to you or something you almost can't remember to do. If reading the Bible has no interest for you for your own personal spiritual benefit, if you have unplugged from your local church and find it difficult to attend because you're so busy with the responsibilities of being a student and, and work and home, then maybe you should re-examine those priorities. Take stock of your life and say, where does God want me to be? Re-establish the relationship. 
The third is reinstitute the disciplines. Uh, uh, most relationships with Christ go wrong at the point of failure of the disciplines of the Christian life. I'm talking about the discipline of being in the Word of God. You see, you meet the living Word who is Jesus in the written Word, which is the Bible. I'm talking about the discipline of worship with others in Christian community. That is regular faithful attendance at your church in worship. Talking about the discipline of sharing your faith with others and telling others what Christ has done in your life and how he's made a genuine difference for you. And I'm talking about the difference that and the discipline of prayer and the difference it makes in your life when you engage in meaningful adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication with God on a regular basis. I think there's only one way that you can approach the spiritual disciplines that make you strong. It's with a, an undeterred commitment that your relationship with Christ is so important that nothing will keep you from spiritual habits that keep your life vibrant and alive. That no price is too great to pay to be in sweet fellowship with Christ himself. John Bunyan in his well-known book, The Pilgrim's Progress, vividly describes with determination the price of life. He says there was a man who said this, Set my name down, sir, for I have looked this whole thing in the face, and cost me what it may, I mean to have Christ's likeness, and I will have it. Determination that nothing will take the place of God in your life. Uh, that attitude keeps your faith fresh for a lifetime. So you reinstitute the disciplines. And then finally, reconsider the alternatives. Keeping your relationship with Christ alive, the alternative to that is anything but attractive. It's true of a church, it's true on a personal level as well. A number of years ago, we were on summer vacation and we were driving through rural communities in Vermont and, and I can't tell you how many times, but Time and time again, we saw lovely white-framed buildings that once housed a group of God's people now sitting vacant or maybe used as a business or even a government building. That The churches that had once had vision and passion but lost their vision and passion for what God could do in their lives and in their community, they had no reason to exist. They went out of business. And the same is true on a personal level. The alternatives to a vibrant relationship with God, they're dismal and frightening alternatives. When you experience a spiritual power failure or the light goes out of your life, the joy of that relationship becomes routine and maybe even drudgery. Then it's time to plug in again to the power of the Almighty. When the glow of his presence has faded from your face, the enthusiasm for Christ or the work of his church, when that happens until there's no faith to share, no power on which to live, no spiritual victories to report, friends, it's called a spiritual power failure. 
And God doesn't want us to live there. He wants us to be restored, to connect. You say, Pastor Gray, does that ever happen to you? Yes. In the ministry, Dr. Graves. I can't tell you how many revivals I've had driving down the highway by myself on trips and you find yourself empty. And then you begin to say, God. He comes into your car and, and uh, becomes your passenger, actually becomes the driver in the sense. I've had many, well, a number of revival experiences one day I left Colorado Springs and had my 65 Mustang, convertible, top down. Fun car, but I wasn't having fun. Wife was in Ohio visiting her folks. I took off for Pueblo, wept my way all the way there. Over Highway 50 and up 115, when I got home, I was a new man. Had I backslidden? No. Somewhere, sort of a power failure. And there was a time of refreshing that, to return to those things that, Jonathan, we talked about, the heart of worship. And I pray that if you ever find yourself there, you'll be honest enough with God to get on your knees and say, God, flood over me all over again. Make me new. And uh, use me as your vessel. Let me pray with you, please. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have met with us. Take this that has been said and use it in any way that you see fit, Lord. Draw us closer to you. Let us never forget who you are and who we are. And never let us lose our passion for Christ or his call. Let us see with clarity and vision your will and your purpose. And be committed to stay fresh, that we will have it, that nothing will stop us from being close to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.